I like the fact, man. Serial entrepreneur journey, the overview of time management, branding, salesmanship, everything that entrepreneurship has to offer. Got it. Not only that, when I seen the word barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that yeah. part right there, we sure have it coming. Got your attention, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, can, exactly. we can weave in some of that as well. And uh, yeah, I, I like I like doing during the day what I like to do. I love barbecuing, so I figured out a way to make make part of my living with making barbecue things. I got a radio show. It's called the Barbecue Radio Show. Um, but yeah, we can talk about that. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm I'm pretty fair game. So I think that's awesome, man. Because I and I definitely want to get into that that whole aspect of yeah, you got I it. am going to do what I love to do for uh, money. <laughs> you know, all right, millionaire by morning podcast listeners out there i have a special guest for you today uh he is a dedicated daddy of three he currently owns four companies have two nationally syndicated radio shows have written 10 books loves to play in his garden and barbecue <laughs> it is my pleasure to introduce mitch graff who's only had one job in the last 35 years which was president for an affiliate of the world champion San Francisco Giants baseball team. Welcome to the show, Mitch. Rashad, it's an honor to be here. And just a quick story about the, the, the one job I've had. For 35 years, I've been what I call a lifestyle entrepreneur. And I was that before it was a thing. Way before Tim Ferriss wrote the book about the four-hour work week, I was kind of living that lifestyle. But uh, I got bored with everything I was doing. I think back in 2019, I think I had three or four companies at the time, plenty to do, not to mention I have three young children, but I was bored with what I was doing. So I sat down with my wife and I said, hey, I'm going to transfer everything over to you. I'm going to promote some people in, in, in our circles, and I'm going to go see if I can get this job being a president of a Class A affiliate of a Major League Baseball team. And she just kind of shook her head. Whenever I say, honey, I got an idea, she just does this to me because she knows I'm going to be doing something a little bit crazy. So I called the guy and I said, uh, hey, I think you need a, a businessman to come in and run the organization. He says, no, I need a baseball guy. And I said, well, I've been a baseball fan since I was a little kid. I'm a Los Angeles Dodger fan, actually. He said, no, we need a guy that understands baseball. And I said, do some research on me. Google me, whatever you got to do. You'll call me back. Let's at least get together and chat. So long story short, over the next couple of weeks, we, we talked, we interviewed, we had coffee together. And I took the job. And for a year before COVID shut us down, I was the president of, uh, it's called the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes, a class A affiliate over here in Salem, Oregon. And it was the best, Rashad, it was the best experience I've ever had in my life as far as working because I got to hang out with my favorite sport, baseball. I had about 110, 120 employees, which that's an easy thing for me, but uh, it was one, it, the best experience I can ever imagine. COVID shut us down. I came back home to homeschool my kids and to take care of my businesses, which were shut down. Uh, and the, the, uh, the team never opened up again because minor league baseball was contracted by about 40 teams. I don't know if, you, if you're a baseball fan, about 25% of all the minor league affiliates in the United States just went away because Major League Baseball said, we don't need that many teams. So my team that I was the president of was contracted. So it was perfect timing for me. I came back to what I was doing and I got my boredom out of my system. <laughs> Yeah, so COVID caused a lot of boredom. It did, it did. A lot of us to pivot as well. 
Yeah, definitely. And, um, and create, to be able to create and think in different ways. Um, so what, what was the job description? What was some of the things that you did with the team? Everything. Uh, everything from hiring, recruiting, training. Uh, we did an organizational rebrand. Uh, one of the things that I had identified is that the brand was broken. And I think a lot of businesses that have been around more than a handful of years, they don't know if their brand is broken because they forget to work on their business because we're working in our businesses. We forget the little things. And so I just noticed being a fan, because I used to go to games as a fan, that things were just old and stale and it's like they didn't care anymore. So I reinvigorated the, the employees. First thing I did is pretty much fire everybody and say, you know what, if you want to come back to work, I would love to have you, but we got an interview. I want to make sure that you're not the reason I had to give up my great lifestyle to come and fix the problem that you created. So we interviewed everybody and hired a, a, a number of them back. A lot of them we did not hire back, but it, to me, it was all about that customer experience, that customer service. I call it six-star experience. I want us to go above and beyond, regardless of the industry that you're in. If you can do that, magic things start to happen in, in your organization. Uh, and so, yeah, branding, marketing, I was the one doing all the chambers and the Kiwanis's and the Rotary Clubs and going around doing speeches at the high school and just having a great time. But then I came home at night and I still had my radio shows to do. I still had my books to, to write. I still had my three kids to raise. Nothing changed from that. I just had to actually work some hours. And I'm not a guy that works 80 hours a week. I never have been. Maybe when I was in my 20s. But I've never been that guy. I really believe that the guys that get it, the ones that climb that ladder, are the ones that understand the 5% of their activities each day that brings in the 95% of the results. And then, you know, the, the Pareto's principle, you know that, 80-20. 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. I think it really is 95-5. So each person that owns a business or wants to own a business or maybe just an employee, if you can figure out the 5% of the daily activities that you do that moves the needle on your business and then figure out ways to do just that and get rid of the 95%, you can delegate it. You can automate systems. You can, sometimes you just need to eliminate. Nobody needs to spend three or four or five hours a day on social media. It ain't, it ain't necessary. I'm telling you right now, but a lot of people, you know, me included, there's times I go down the rabbit hole of YouTube. You, you watch one video cause you want to. And then before you know it, it's an hour later. It's like, God, I just watched nine videos wasting my time. And you can't get that time back, right? right. So anyway, I can ramble forever, Rashad. I'll, uh, I'll take a breath and let you ask me something. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely okay. I get excited, that. man. I get excited. A lot of, a lot of um, what I like to do is speak with entrepreneurs because there are people out there that's, that's still learning. Sure. And um, time is of the essence, you know? And um, people are taught work hard, work diligently. But like you say, it's, it's sometimes based on that 5% more so than you just working 80 hours a week and, you know, 10 to 12 hours, waking up at four or five o'clock in the morning, staying up till 12 at night. And that is what most of society ha has yeah. grown to understand that that's what they need to do to be successful. You're right. And the gurus are out there telling you that if you want to build the beast, whatever your beast is, whether it's a physical product company, brick and mortar or digital product on the Internet, you have to be willing to sacrifice everything in order to build that beast. And as a lifestyle entrepreneur, I have for 25 years taught that it's not necessary to do that. 
Number one, you need to control that time. I mean, having time freedom, that's one of the best things about being an entrepreneur is you get to control how you spend your time. Doesn't mean you get to waste it on more things. It just means that you should have more laser focus on the things that you do need to do to bring you the value of your business. I'll give you an example, professional photographers. And I, I was in that industry for about 15, 20 years. And I still am. I still do a lot of teaching at conventions and a lot of uh, coaching and mentoring. But one of the things that they have to do, let's say they shoot a wedding on Saturday, on Sunday, they spend all day retouching the files, color correcting, taking blemishes out of the face, blending the skin tones so that the images are beautiful. If you were to ask a professional photographer, how much would you pay somebody to come into your studio to do your digital workflow? They'd say, ah, 15 bucks an hour, maybe 20 bucks an hour, depends on the, you know, where you are in the country. And then you twist the, the question around, would you be willing to work for $15 an hour? And they all go, heck no, I'm a professional photographer. I'm certified. I'm a you know, member of PPA. It's like, well, wait, if you're doing your own digital workflow, you're working for $15 an hour. So there's aha moments. I mean, that's just photography, but there's examples of that in every industry. So figure out what it is that you're doing that is $15, $20 an hour work. That's important stuff. That's what makes the train go forward. You got to have that, but it doesn't have to be you. It should not be you. You got the $15 an hour work. You got the management level, which is $50 an hour work. And then mindset, which a lot of, you know, the millionaire mindset is I got to be doing $500 an hour work. And what is that? What does that entail? And then do that <laughs> and right. only do that. And then hire people around you. And, you know, you say, I can't afford it. Well, you can afford not to do it. You have to figure out a way to slough off some of these daily things that you do that aren't bringing you the biggest bang for your time buck. Definitely. I learned that the hard way. We all do, right? We, yeah. we get knocked down so many times. And then as long as you get up that one extra time, life is good. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or, you know, you listen to the right podcast and decide <laughs> you're going to take that advice. So that's the wonderful thing about, you know, I'm glad podcasts are growing and even the YouTube channels and stuff. Sure, like that. absolutely. Um, so can you take us back to the time that you figured out I'm going to be, a, uh, I'm pretty sure it started with sales. I'm going to be a sales or entrepreneur. When, when did you realize that? Couple couple stories come to mind. First one, I was in third or fourth grade, and at that point, you probably sold lemonade too, right? Everyone sells lemonade out in front of their house if you're in a neighborhood. And most kids back in my day, this is in the '70s, they're selling it for a quarter a glass, right? Well, I sold my lemonade for fifty cents, but I gave you a free cookie, and I had a table out there with a couple of chairs that you can sit down. I had. I'm going to show you this radio. This is the actual radio, and if, if you're watching it, you can see it. If you're listening to it, it's the most hideous green color. It's round. The volume and the dial controls for the station are the like the eyes. It doesn't work anymore, but I used to turn this on Dodger games <laughs> and set it out there in the table. So people will come, give me twice as much money for a glass of lemonade. I gave them a free cookie that my mom had baked. She just did the Toll House recipe off the back of the chocolate chips. And it was an experience. And I didn't understand it at the time, but I was always busier. I had people come into my house for lemonade and not the others. And so it just kind of planted in my head early that, okay, if you add value to people's life, not necessarily discounting, being the cheap guy is never the, the path you want to take because then it's a, it's a price war and it's a, it's a fight to the bottom. You don't want to be that guy. 
So if you want to be, you want to make a living and you want to be a lifestyle business person, you have to look at adding value to your customer's life, whether you become a customer, a guest, a client, whatever you call people that give you money in exchange for a product or service, how can I add value to their life? Figure that out and, and the world is yours. You know, it's just, it's one step along the way that you have to, you have to tackle. Uh, that was one story. The other one was I, I was in my mid twenties, late twenties. I wanted to go fishing and I lived in North Idaho and there's a lake called Hayden Lake. And it's like a Wednesday afternoon. And I think at the time I had a drive through espresso chain and I had a cribbage board manufacturing company, but I wanted to go fishing. And I went to several different places around town that should have carried worms. Nobody carried worms. So I started to get annoyed. And the guy that sold all the worms, his name was Mr. Bait. So I found his phone number. He lived about an hour away. That's where he, his business was. And I called and I said, hey, I'm just a customer in North Idaho outside of Coeur d'Alene. Where can I buy your worms? And he, he really kind of pushed me the wrong way. It's like, well, we're only there every two weeks. And if there isn't any, then that you're just going to have to go find, you're going to have to go dig them in your yard is what he told me. Go dig them in your yard. Well, that got me a little irritated. So I went back to my office. I found a place to buy worms by the thousand. I found, uh, instead of a 12 pack, I, I found a bigger container that did 18. I call it the jumbo pack, not because the worms were bigger, but because the container was bigger. I did a color label. I bought some refrigeration, uh, got some space. Fast forward six months, I had over 700 accounts in North Idaho, Eastern Washington, Western Montana. And I get a call from Mr. Bate. Hey, you can't do this. It's like, well, yeah, I can. And I did, but you know, I don't want to be in the worm business. I don't want to sell night crawlers. I'll sell you the business. And he hung the phone up yeah. a couple months later. And I gave him a quote. I, I think I quoted him $25,000. I just give me, and we didn't make money hand over fist, 25,000. I don't want this business. I'll give you all the customers. I'll give you the logo. I'll give you the name if you want it. Uh, and he hung up on me about two months later, he called back and burr, 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 and the price was now higher because we were making bank by this time. And he wrote me a nice big check. And I was out of the, the worm business eight months from start to end. And we were doing about $20,000 uh, a month uh, in worms. <laughs> Go figure that. So it just wow. showed me that the good basic principles, I don't care, sales, marketing, pricing, branding, whatever. The, the basic tentacles of business can be applied to any industry. doesn't matter what you do. If you understand those basics, uh, that's going to pave your path for success. And you can't skip the steps. If you don't understand branding, you're not going to be able to attain the highest level of, of success, whatever it is that you're doing. If you don't understand how to sell, you're not going to attain the highest level. And if you don't like to sell, that's not a problem. But learn how to do it, and there's great resources, or find someone that can, right? Because you can't be all things. you got to know what you do well, do that, and hire people around you that are smarter than you. And then let them do their job. Oh, man, that's a great. Uh, first of all, that's a great start to business. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, secondly, that's a great story because you're right, man. Once you systems, once you have a, oh, yeah. a system in place, it's, it's pretty much automated. And you can you can change from business to business. I do a lot of different things, man. And I don't know if I get bored quick. My wife say I have ADD. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I, I do a lot of different things. And with people looking at it and say, man, you, you switched up from this to that. When all in actuality, I just, it's the same system. 
Yeah, exactly. I just move another product. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's very easy. And um, once you get that into place, especially with digital marketing now, um, that, that really automated it, automate the process. When automation is big and, and there, there's, a, there's a point that too much automation is a bad thing and where it's become bad is customer service. During COVID, everything got drawn back online. And so that personal interaction that you have with a lot of customers kind of went away. Well, now that it's back and half of the businesses, I mean, I, I, one of my companies is a catering company. Uh, in 2020, we were voted the Pacific Northwest Cater of the Year. We can serve up to 1,200 people. I mean, it's a pretty successful business. Uh, but we went down to almost nothing. Um, what was the thought? I just lost my thought. I got 19 things going in my brain. Customer service. Customer service. So now you go to the gas station, you go to Safeway, you go to Albertsons, and they don't say, how are you, sir? It's, would you like paper or plastic? And that's the first thing out of their mouth before they make eye contact, before they smile. And of course, with the masks, it just covered up. So people thought, okay, I don't have to smile now. Well, you can see a smile through the eyes. You can hear a smile if you're smiling. You can hear the change in tone and intonation. But, but so many of the big companies have not given that frontline employee the tools they need to understand that whoever's in front of you, that's the most important person in your world. That's the most important, pers important person in the universe right this second, whoever's there in front of you. You got 19 people in line, that's okay. That person in front of you, make them feel special, make them feel like gold. And I feel that it's kind of dropped out in all the small and medium-sized businesses. There's some guys that get it, but a lot of the people I deal with on a regular basis, whether it be restaurants or retail stores, or you call in, I did an instant chat, AT&T, my phone company for 20 years, I gave tens of thousands of dollars. I did an instant chat, took 18 minutes for the person to come into the instant chat. <laughs> Why was it called an instant chat? Right. Uh, in another company I called, they said, I'm sorry, because of the high volume we're experiencing, we cannot take your call. Please leave a message and we'll get back to you at our earliest convenience. This is like a Fortune 500 company. I leave a message. Three days later, I still have not heard. And it was kind of an important thing I needed to know. I called back again, same thing. And I just gave up and I switched companies. Yeah. Um, it's happening all over the place. So it is. As a it small is. business owner, you really need to make sure that your customer experience, uh, the systems that you have in place for customers, mm -hmm. uh, is second to none. I think that's what's at this point separates. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. That's a silver and, bullet. If you can have good customer service, you're right. Yeah, I've 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 started asking like, when when new employees go through training, do they even have a customer service module? <laughs> you know, because it's non-existent for the most part. Well, you go like Ritz Carlton. Each employee and, and the frontline employees, the ones that make the least amount of money, they're given the discretion to spend up to two thousand dollars a day to take care of the customer, whether it be an issue, whether it be a, a negative or a positive, $2,000 to take care of a customer. Give them a, a free night comp room, give them an upgrade, whatever it is. And then go tell the boss later. Most small and medium-sized businesses, they say, well, let me check with the boss. Hold on, I'll be right back. And they have to get permission. Now that does two things. Number one, it doesn't build confidence in your, in your staff because they feel that if they make the bad decision, they're gonna get fired or reprimanded or whatever number one. And number two, it doesn't take care of the customer quickly and efficiently 
right then and there. Did you know that uh, 92% of all emails that are sent to uh, corporations are never even returned? 92%. Mm. Only 20% of customer service questions can be answered on the first call. So you have some kind of question and answer, you call somebody, only one out of five times can that company and that person on the phone provide you with the information that you called for. They have to transfer you. They got to send you a link to an article, all these automation things that supposedly is good for us. I think it's bad. And I'm an old fashioned guy. I just turned 60 and I got a 16, 14 and seven year old kid. So I waited a long time to settle down and have kids. Well, it makes me a little more old school than I think a lot of guys, but there's some things about old school that we need to continue to make sure we implement in with our, with our businesses. The new school is, oh, you got a laptop and you can be a digital guy and you have a course or whatever and you make a living and they call themselves entrepreneurs. No, you're not an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur has failed time and time and time again, but you learn how to get up by the bootstraps and you live to fight another day. Uh, you can't be a 19-year-old kid that has a, maybe you're making 100 grand a year on, on your computer and you don't have any physical stock. That's awesome. And I, I applaud you, but you are not yet an entrepreneur. You are on the road to being an entrepreneur, but I really feel that failure is one of the best lessons. You know, you, you probably a thousand failures. I got a thousand failures. Definitely. And that has just led me to my next success, whatever that is. Yeah, I definitely agree with it. Follow you know, one of the old models, fall off the horse, get back home, you know. Well, remember, remember uh, well, how old are you, Rashad? I am 43. Okay. Well, you you might be old enough. We used to call them service stations. Yeah, yep. I remember right? service stations. You, yeah. you'd get in there, they'd say, how are you, sir? How are you, ma'am? They'd wash your windshield, check the tire pressure. They checked your oil. And, oh, yeah, you bought gas at the same time. But that was almost like the afterthought. You went there because of that experience. When I was in high school, I used to go to this a Chevron. And they would run out to your car. Hello, how are you? And they bring you water if you wanted water, a cup of coffee, you wanted coffee. To this day, I will, I will use Chevron if I have a choice. If, if there's a Chevron close, that's where I'm going because they, they did their branding early on. Yeah. But now the employees don't even say good morning. Yeah, how can I help you? I don't know, man. Hey, how are you, sir? Get your fill up. You know, what kind of get? Nothing like that anymore. And I, we live in Oregon. We're one of two states where we can't pump our own gas. We have to have someone pump it. So us in New Jersey. New Jersey, to, okay. Yeah, yeah, us in New Jersey. If you want your gas, you got to pull up and wait for the attendant to come and take your credit card and ask you what kind of gas. But that's an opportunity for Chevron or Shell or whoever uh, to, to make up an impression. I call it drip marketing, drip branding, just drip, drip, drip. Oh, sir, how you doing today? Oh, great, man. What kind, what, you know, what kind of gas can I get you? Whatever they're going to say. But make a five-second connection with that person in front of you, and that transfers to any energy, any uh, industry, right? It doesn't matter. It does. What you do. yeah. It does. And <laughs> the irony, the irony of that, I don't know if this is. It goes on as much in Oregon, but here, everywhere I go, you're in Texas, you do, right? I'm in Texas. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we're supposed to have southern hospitality, but that that has went away. <laughs> but um, Whatever you do, wherever you go, whether it's gas station, um, if you go out to eat, you know, if you get groceries, they all want a review. They all want you to put a review in about the company. But but normally they don't serve good. It's not good customer service 
So I don't know why they're asking for a review. It's 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 ironic. I have a friend that works at uh, uh, Yelp. He's one of the VPs. And I went to college with him. And we don't stay in a lot of touch, but I, I touched base with him during COVID. He said there's more one and two star reviews now than ever before in the history of Yelp. Two reasons. One, people think their opinion matters. Uh, they're, they're, because of social media, you can go out there and take a picture of someone arguing with a, a, a checker or a, a waiter, um, and they think their opinion matters more than it really does. Uh, so, but when you post a one-star review, you potentially are ruining a business. Yeah. I mean, you potentially yeah. are. And maybe it was a bad day for an employee or maybe the, the, whatever happened on your meal or something bad happened, mistakes are made. And the guys that get the customer service, that six star that I was talking about earlier, the guys that get that, figure out ways to not just meet expectations, but go above and beyond. Right. Uh, and to me, that's the secret sauce is what do your customers expect? And what can I do above that that makes them go, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I'll go around town and if I get exceptional service, which I do quite often, I'll say, thank you for the six star service. I really appreciate it. They don't ask what that is. It's like, oh, wow. They know it means they went above and beyond. Right. Uh, and, and I kind of like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. You can use so, it. <laughs> do you have, do you have um, any training for, um, let's just say like, you know, sales training for companies, they, they hire someone to help oh, sure. them out with their sales. Do you offer oh, any type of customer service training? Yeah, we, I, we, we do workshops. I mean, besides doing like platform programs and, and things like that, I also do corporate training. Uh, I have a coaching and mentoring program that I've done for about 20 years. It's called Power Team. And we will do anything that the client needs, whether it be in, in training, whether it be in website, whether it be in branding, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, I call it the whole business, the whole, the whole enchilada, uh, A to Z. But a lot of what I do is doing corporate training. You know, I'll go in and do a, a, a team meeting in the morning and then do breakout sessions through the rest of the day where you get down to the nitty gritty of giving your employees tools in customer service, in closing, in branding, whatever the need is. But yeah, customer service to me is that's the hot button these days. Yeah, uh, coming out of COVID, the, the, the guys that are left, because there's less businesses in all categories, the guys that are left, you said it earlier, it's the thing that makes a difference. It separates you from the rest of the pack. I call it the silver bullet. Um, and more and more companies need to invest in that. And I wish they did. Right. But we're too busy with customers. We don't have time to work yeah. on our business because we're working in our business, right? <laughs> yep. It's, it's um, man. You can definitely see it. I, maybe it's, you know, our age group or whatnot, but you can definitely see the difference between those days and, and nowadays. The younger generation, uh, uh, my, my, my 16 to 14 year old, I've resisted letting them do their devices whenever they want. Uh, they, can, they can play computer games like on Sundays. Um, but in the mornings, they're kind of like me. I don't let them get on their phones until they get on the bus. No, no, no. You control that first section of the day. Do not react to the world. You set your mindset. You set your agenda without the outside world demanding things, whether it be an email or text or looking at the news. That stuff will be there. It's not going anywhere. But yeah. that first section of the day, that's yours. And you really have to control that. And that's part of that mindset that you talked, I'm sure, all your guests about is you have to start the day with expectations of what you're going to accomplish 
I call them perfect days. You know, people say, well, what's a perfect day to you? And I know exactly what it is in my head. It's, it's hanging out with the people that I love, being a difference to my, uh, my children and my wife and, and moving the needle on my businesses. And I have perfect days all the time because I set expectations. I have systems in place that allow me to accomplish them. And I, my to-do lists are only five or six items, no more than that. I used to do like 20, 30. And every day I was crossing out half of them and carrying the next day. Well, that, that doesn't do anything. Right. So five items, get those done, be successful with those five. That's a feather in your cap, right? Check. If you want to add more things, you can. But start with five things on a to-do list and then make it, your, make it your duty to accomplish each of those five every single day. And success leads to success leads to right. success. It's all Compound. about mindset. Compounding oh, interest. It's um, <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. You're right. When my son get home, I'm gonna let him watch this. He's 14 <laughs> years old. I set him down this morning. I set him down he? this morning, and I I told him exactly everything you just said is what I told him this morning. Yeah, but when it comes from us, it doesn't have anything. When it comes from someone that lives more than 50 out 50 miles away, then right. you're the expert, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's that's. That's crazy because I sat him down this morning. And I said, listen, man, you've been coming from your room, running downstairs, running straight to, you know, the bus or I take you to school. And you, that's how you're going to operate your whole entire day, just mm -hmm. on the run. Uh, that, that's how old how, is he again? He's 14. 14. So same as my son, freshman in high school. He'll be, he'll be a freshman next year. Yep. Next year. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I told him this morning, you, you every morning you come down and just, take 10, 15 minutes just to, I don't, you can doodle in paper. You can think yeah. about what you're going to do, but yeah, I totally agree, man. Yeah, I do. I do a to-do list when I'm done working and I start early. I, I, I believe that you get up before dawn. Um, I'm up for two or three hours getting my important work done when my mind is fresh, good cup of coffee. And that's when I do my writing. I do a lot of uh, calls and interviews at that time of the day. So when my kids get up, my day's half done. And then by noon or one, my day is done. My work day is done. And I like that because the afternoons, when the kids come home at 2.30 or 3, I'm there for them. I can coach their teams. Uh, you know, up until this year, I coached my son's basketball and baseball. I coached my daughter's volleyball. Um, last season, I coached my seven-year-old's soccer team because I want to be there. I want to be that present yeah. dad. And every day we have moments with our kids. you got a moment with your son hopefully several during the day, but those moments are the legacy that we leave behind. You know, and there's no job more important than being a good parent to, right. to your kids. I mean, we are helping mold the future. So anything that we can give them to help them make better choices, and they're not going to make good choices all the time, but you got to let them make bad choices. That's how they're going to fail. My daughter has taught me that lesson, my 16-year-old. See, dad, you can't always email my teacher and bail me out each trimester. You can't keep doing that. It's like, baby, but if you don't, I don't want you to set yourself up for failure when you're trying to get into college. Dad, I'm going to learn a lesson, but I'll learn it on my own. And this is the wisdom of a 16-year-old. It's like, okay, well, maybe I gave her a little bit of that common sense, right? Yeah. But uh, I've just learned to back off and support her however I can, whether it be in, you know, quizzing her or something. But she's kind of just wants to do it on her own. COVID has not been kind to her. My 14-year-old, he excelled, you know, 4.0s. He loved that online thing. But my other daughter, and she used it as an opportunity to be on her computer all day long in a room behind the, 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 the watchful eyes of mom and dad. 
And you got to trust, you know, at 16 years old, almost 17, you have to give them trust. Right. If they fall down, man, that's a lesson. <laughs> and it's, it, it's a good lesson for life. Life is the best teacher. I said, yeah, I, agree I was you. taught that this is the best teacher. Um, so one of the, uh, the pillars that I do cover is uh, motivation. So of course, other than the obvious, your children, what would you say motivates you to live this style? Or that's probably the motivation is be able to live the lifestyle. But um, yeah, could you go a little bit into that? Motivation is a tough one. Uh, a lot of people got knocked down during COVID. They lost the umph. They lost that that willingness, the, the stick to itiveness, I call it, to get up and fight the battle every day. Because it was tough during COVID, and it's still not over. I mean, we're still, it's going to be several years before, especially hospitality, before we're out of the doldrums and things are back to normal. And they never will be back like they used to be because of all the downsizing in so many industries. We have empty buildings all over the place. Retail really got hit hard, um, especially restaurants, and a lot of them have went away. Now, they're going to be replaced with other restaurants which is a good thing, but it takes a few years to get your mojo going when you are in food service. You just can't open up one day and, and get, have it all figured out. It's not an easy industry to be in. But what I do for motivation is I just envision time off. <laughs> this might sound, might sound weird, but I love gardening. I love the barbecue. I love hanging out with my kids. Last weekend, we took four days and, or three days and went over to the coast of Oregon just rented a beach house and hung out there and went walking around. And I love that. This summer, I'm taking my kids to Alaska. We're going to go up there for about 10 days. We'll take our motor home and go to Montana and Idaho and camp and fish and gold pan. And, and that motivates me to want to get my work done. I call it the 24-7 mentality. And I mean, we all have a definition, right? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My definition, and this might sound strange, but I've been living it, trying to live it for 20, 25 years. 24 hours a week, seven months a year. Am I successful all the time? No. There's weeks that I work the 40, 50, 60 hours, but there's also weeks that I work 12. But that, tw that 24 hour week is the beacon, the shining beacon on the hill. And so that's what I strive to do. How can I get my work done? How can I be so efficient and delicate and automate and all those things? How can I do it so that I only have to put in 24 hours a week doing that 5% of the stuff that moves the needle on my companies so I can have the rest of the time off to do the things that are important to me, whatever that means, right? We each have a different list of things that we do when we're not working. You don't work for the sake of working. You work so you get money. You trade your time for money so you can take that money and say, okay, I got to pay this and that and that, and I have money left over to go to Disneyland with my kids. That's your, that's your shining beacon. Mine is just time off to do what I want. And being 60, I'm not going to have a lot of years of of uh, working. I don't want to work much longer, but I love what I do and everything I do, every business I am involved in, my two radio shows that I, that I, that I have, I love it. It drives me. I get excited when I think about doing any of my work. After I'm done talking to you, I get to, I have a company called Barbecue Nation. We manufacture spices and rubs and barbecue accessories for, you know, we're in retail stores. We have a website that we do a very brisk business on. Uh, we're getting ready for the national hardware show next week. So I'm going to go checking with our co-packer to make sure that the, the lids came in, make sure that the, gar the granulated garlic was there. We're having some supply chain issues, but I love getting in there and solving the problems. Uh, and that's what I'll do right after uh, I get done with you. 
it's exciting to me. A lot of people go, Oh God, you got to deal with those problems. Like, yeah, but I like it because yeah. I'm a, I'm a sol- a problem solver. That's a lot of what entrepreneurs do, right? We, we solve problems quickly and efficiently. And that's how we pave that path to success. Yep. And become consultants, help other <laughs> people solve problems. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Not everybody's a problem solver and that's fine. You know, not everybody's meant to be uh, the owner. You need to have a, a secretary. You need to have a person that maintains. You need to have a person that's in sales. You got to have all these people that have these different skill sets. You don't have to be everything to all people. Identify what you like to do, not, not what you're good at, because maybe what you're good at and what you like to do are different things. It's more important that today you do what you love doing, figuring out how to monetize that, and then get rid of the other stuff. It's not that important. It really isn't. And we might not be around in a day. We might not be around in a week. Um, when I was 59, just a few weeks ago, I was bulletproof. <laughs> I was bulletproof, man. I, I had a 29-year-old mind and a 12-year-old body. But all of a sudden, I turned 60. It's like, God, there's, I know people that are 60 and they look old. I hope yeah. I don't look old because I don't feel old. But it starts making you realize that every single day when you have a moment with a kid, with a spouse, you and me are having a moment right now, you got to maximize that moment. Because in a few minutes, that moment is over and you're on to the next moment. You got to make sure that you're making a difference in the people's lives that mean the most to you. And that's kind of what drives me. It's a long answer to your question, but uh, time off and my kids. That's why I work. <laughs> you, you know, with that one answer, you actually um, spoke on another one of the pillars, which is monetization. Mm. And... Um, with that, the 24-7 rule and is when you sit down and map out your plan, do you monetize or how do you monetize your goals? Is it monthly, bi-weekly, yearly? How do you come up with that? That's a great question. Yeah. Anything that I get involved with now, I have to look at, A, what's my time commitment? Uh, because I really limit the amount of time I invest in my businesses or speaking or other people's businesses. Um, you know, we turn down coaching clients sometimes because I don't want to spend the time. Right. I want to, you know, summertime, I don't take new clients because guess what? I'm taking a lot of time off. Most of the summer I take off. Now I make sure that my, cause I have a, two different radio shows. I have to make sure that everything's recorded in the hopper before I take off for a month has to be done. So I have to do my writing and my, my research and everything way ahead of time, uh, which is fine. I just schedule it into a calendar. It's very, very simple. You write it down. And it becomes reality. If you don't write your goals down, they're not goals. It's just conversation. Uh, but th- the way that I monetize is in my mind initially. Say, okay, I'll give you an example. Uh, Business Edge Radio, which you can see this right here. Mm-hmm. It was an idea I had about seven, eight years ago. Just an idea. And every year on my New Year's resolutions, I'd carry it over. Finally, COVID comes along. It's like, you know what? I have time now to dedicate to building out what I believe could be something that can be heard on radio stations across the United States. And as a podcast, it's going to add value to people, not just business owners, but to anybody. So when I started out, it was a one hour show that was heard on a local radio station syndicated out uh, across the country. We built it up to about 25 or 30 radio stations. And I think at the time we were getting maybe 30,000 downloads a month uh, overall with all the episodes well, then I got tired of doing the hour format. You got to get guests. Everything has to be scripted. You got to work on a clock. 
you know, the first clock is nine minutes and it's a hard out at nine minutes because the radio stations have to play their, their ad. That's how they make money. So I came up with the business edge minute, 60 seconds heard Monday through Friday. So five episodes a week, fun, energetic, and things that you can put into action right away. Here's three ways to maximize your commute to and from the office every single day. Here's four ways to make sure you stay hydrated during the day, which is important for all of our minds, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. Um, here's three ways to, to make sure you're closing the proper way. Just quick hitting things. I actually have 52 seconds of content because the other eight seconds is the guy saying, and now the business edge minute, here's Mitch Graff, right? Uh, and so that we're heard on like 120 radio stations now across the country. All the way, I think all, we got a couple, five or six down in, uh, in Texas. Um, but that became monetized in my brain about a, a minute after I had the idea to launch the podcast. Because I can't just spend that much time just because I like it. Right. It had, it had to have like a, an exit strategy. So, um, yeah, we get revenues from, from uh, we have an affiliate guy that takes care of all that. And every single month I get a check wired into my checking account uh that for all the ads that are run to support it and that's kind of nice um the barbecue radio show is another show that i do it's five minutes once a week how easy is that right you do long format which i i applaud you because it, it takes a lot more time and a lot more planning and i'm kind of i get bored easy like i said earlier I want to move on to the next challenge so five minute once a week sometimes it's interviews with uh, top barbecuers other times it's here's uh, here's here's five tips on making sure your brisket is trimmed the right way. Five minutes in and out. I, I'm quirky. There's some humor in there. There's some sound effects that makes it entertaining. And I think we're on 15 or 20 radio stations, a couple in, in Dallas down in your neck of the woods. And it's fun. It's once a week. I got an engineer that does a great job. I got a national sales guy that's getting us the affiliates. I just do what I do. I write the stuff. I record it. I send it up to Dropbox and I'm done. <laughs> Everyone else does the rest of the work for me. So, but it's monetized. I mean, right from the beginning, it's monetized. And I got a call from Traeger about two weeks ago. Traeger might want to sponsor the entire show. Well, if that happened, I mean, that's my competition with Barbecue Nation because I have spices and rubs. Uh, but if they write me a check once a month, I'd be a happy camper or better yet, just buy the whole show. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right about it. Right. So everything I do has a, a monetization aspect of it. And it's not always about making Buku bank. Sometimes just make it enough to pay for expenses. And uh, my daughter and I wrote a book. This is a crazy story, but I've never written a children's book. I've written nine business books, but my seven-year-old and I wrote this book. It's called Snuggles, Kisses, and Hugs Have a Party. Well, she's doing readings around town at the local libraries. And every day, Daddy, how much have we made today? Daddy, how much have we made today? So I'm teaching her at a very young age, think about the money. You spent some time, but now it's passive income, right? The work is done. And every single month now, she's going to get 50% of all the money we make in royalties. She's going to get it put into an account. And that's, that's going to teach awesome. you the value of money. And maybe she'll come to me in a year and say, hey, dad, can we write another book? Because I yeah. want to make more money, right? <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that, that's awesome, man. It's fun. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Something I'll probably never do again. One, one off, just write a children's book, say I did it. And hopefully in 10 years, it still makes her a little bit of money on the side because there, there's some children's books. The guys are making millions of dollars a month, stuff they did 10 years ago. And the work yeah. is done. You you write it, you're done. So. <laughs> wow. Well, um, 
I know you have to run off and get to the barbecue, man. And uh, you made me kind of hungry. <laughs> I want to put on a brisket or something. Oh, there you go. There you go. I'll send you some rub. <laughs> there you go. Now, can you tell us where to find you um, online? Yeah, you, uh, my main educational website is just Power, P is in Paul, PowerMarketing101.com. Uh, and if you go to PowerMarketing101.com slash free book, uh, I'll give all your, your fans and, and listeners and viewers uh, a free, free copy of my book, High Voltage Branding, Go From Ordinary to Extraordinary. It's just basic personal branding. It's branding for your business. And it's basic principles. It's only like 110 pages. It's a very short read, uh, but uh, it's it it, it kind of wakens your mind up. It's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. If it's been more than five years since you've refreshed your logo, it's time. All the big boys do it. McDonald's, if you see a logo from 20 years ago, it looks like it's 20 years old. The logo of today, they make small, minute changes to the curves, maybe to colors, but it's the same logo. It just feels modern. Your logo, your, your graphic representation of your brand needs to be refreshed at least every five years. Don't, don't change it all together. You'll never see Nike changing from the check mark to a circle. It's always a swoosh. But you look back in the day when they first came out, it looks like it's an old swoosh. The one today feels like it's futuristic, right? Yeah. Uh, and they pay people a lot of money, graphic designers, a lot of money to make sure they, they stay relevant. So uh, I recommend that to everybody. Take a look at your logo. Have other people give you feedback. If it's been more than five years, just get it done. <laughs> awesome advice. And that's a PDF download or? Yeah, PDF. Yeah, you can download it on your phone or, yeah. Okay. So PowerMarketing101.com slash free book. When I promote this podcast, I'm going to definitely put that as a free download. Oh, absolutely. But it talks yeah. about my coaching and mentoring. It has uh, workshops that I do. Uh, about me. It's got a list of all the books. There's a thing called Hot List, Mitch's Hot List. And it's just re uh, reads that you can do, uh, not just about business, but about mentality and mental approach and motivation. Um, just different kinds of things that kind of motivated me every single day. And uh, so I share that hot list with people, but it's on the powermarketing101.com website. Okay. All right. And what about your socials? Just your name. Uh, I'm a guy that does. I'm a guy that doesn't do a lot of socials. Back when I used to travel 25, 30 weeks a year, I had like 45,000 fans on Facebook, and I shut that account down because I had people showing up in my hotel room at 11 o'clock at night saying, "Hey!" So, and I'm I'm like a hermit when I'm not working. I do have a, a personal Facebook page, just Mitch Graf, Facebook.com/slash Mitch Graf, but it's just a personal page. Um, I do a lot of postings of motivational quotes and sayings, but uh, it's it's not a, a business thing at all. Uh, and I'm pretty close to the 5,000 now, but, um, yeah, I don't, you'll find me there, but I don't, I don't spend any time. Social is important. It's an important aspect, but it's, it's important that you also understand that it's just one aspect. Yeah. It should not, it, it should not be everything that you do. And it definitely shouldn't be where you spend all your free time. If you spend just an hour a day, just an hour a day, that's 365 hours a year. How many eight hour days is that? That's a yeah. lot. And that time isn't a 25th hour. It didn't magically appear. It had to come from somewhere. Something had to give. Right. Usually it's self-improvement, uh, you know, self-education. It's time with your kids, time with your spouse, time with yourself. Just 
hanging out in the back deck with a cup of coffee or cold beer, looking at the birds in the tree grow. That's important stuff. Social media kind of sucks the life out of that. So I just always tell people, just watch it. Track right. your time. Try to back off. Do you really have to spend that much time? And then figure out what you can do with all this free time, right? Invest it back in your business. Invest it into playing uh, cribbage with your kids. Or just have that cup of coffee by yourself on that deck. <laughs> That's right, man. That's very important time spent. It is. It is. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show, Oh, it's Mitch. an honor. Absolute honor. Thank you.